Hi there, and welcome to Searching for Better. I'm Julia, the host of this show, and today's episode is all about my personal journey on how I've survived, adapted, and changed to grief in the past 10 months. I lost my brother to brain cancer 10 months ago. Um, It was a three and a half year journey. Um, And basically what I go through is all the things that I did shortly after he passed away that I feel have helped me to progress, change and deal with my grief as well as I could. So if you are currently grieving or know someone that's grieving, this podcast is for you or them. Um, Please feel free to share it to anyone that you think might need to hear this. And basically, I really hope that by going through my journey, um, something resonates with you and helps you in yours. Hi there, and welcome to Searching for Better. I'm Julia, and I'm the blogger behind searchingforbetter.net, which is now the podcast. Searching for Better is all about exploring ideas on how to find our path in life and to live it wholeheartedly. So welcome to our show, and I really, really hope you enjoy it. So welcome to the first part of this podcast, which is talking about my first few months um, after my brother passed away. It's a really, really big topic. Um, It's a difficult topic, I think, especially for the people listening who really understand what it's like to lose someone, which is, is, you know, everybody. There's so many people that have been through grief. Um, And it's definitely something that until you, you know, until you go through it, like anything, you don't really understand it. The reason that I've made this the first topic for this podcast um, is because I was reading Option B by Sheryl Sandberg and one of her first chapters was about the elephant in the room and basically she went through how grief is not spoken about, how it's often avoided Um, and that's something that really resonated with me because I have found that people often avoid big questions with me, Um, they avoid talking about it. I have family members that don't even mention my brother's name. Um, It's almost like he didn't exist. And that can be quite difficult to go through, especially when you feel like people are avoiding the topic and it almost makes the person that you've lost, it makes you feel like they didn't exist. Or it even can make, make you feel as though the grief shouldn't be there. So today I wanted to go through my journey the past 10 months and what's helped me, um, just things that have gone through my mind. Um, I have found too when I've spoken to other people that have gone through grief, sometimes you know you hear things and you get really comforted by the fact that other people also have the same feelings. Uh, but most importantly, my message with any podcast um, is if something resonates with you, that's amazing. If something doesn't, that's also fine. I love when people, especially you know on, on social media, talk about, Um, keeping what resonates and letting go of what doesn't. So if there's anything in this podcast that you try and it doesn't work for you, um, anything that sort of doesn't sit with you, then that's completely fine. But obviously, I hope that you get something out of this episode, especially um, whether you're grieving or know someone that's grieving. One of the hardest things that happens when you're grieving, and I think that initially is really a big struggle is obviously the fact that your world's changed. For me, I felt like I was starting from the bottom again. You grief sort of, it changes you so much as a person. It almost strips you of so many beliefs and limitations um, and feelings that you do feel like you have to build up from rock bottom again. That's how I felt, especially 
um, being a carer for three and a half years for my brother was something that I chose to do. Uh, it was really taxing, not just physically and emotionally. Obviously, nobody wants to see a sibling suffer. And I was really, really close to my brother. So it was an extremely painful and difficult journey that at times, like a lot of people doing grief, have to mask their emotions for the person that is unwell. Um, I often kept up a pretty humorous attitude for my brother and I don't regret that. I think that helped both of us in our own journeys. But um, I think that's the biggest thing. And basically what happens when I say that you feel like you're starting from rock bottom is there's also a big loss of identity that happens. Um, A particular memory that really, really sits with me is right after my brother died, about three days later, uh, my mum and I decided to just go to our beach house just to come down for a few weeks. It was, oh, sorry, a few days. It was really overwhelming because we had lots of people over. We had flowers everywhere. Um, I just found it super overwhelming. So I just needed to get some space. And first things first, I actually started journaling. So I took a book up with me to the beach. We don't have internet there. And I kind of just took it as a bit of space to journal, to really reflect. And on the car ride there, I remember sitting there and thinking, my whole life was about my brother. My identity was based on being a carer. That's who I was. That's what I did. Um, there was there was nothing else. I mean, that was what my life was about. My brother needed me nearly 24-7 and, and that's what I wanted to be about because I wanted to help him as much as I could. Uh, but then I guess what happens is when your journey or your purpose changes, often we're sitting there with, I guess, a lack of identity. I really didn't know who I was. I, had, I felt like I had no hobbies, um, no interests. And I remember sitting there thinking, I just don't even know who I am without my brother, without, you know, holding my identity to being his carer. So I feel like when grief first hits, it definitely strips you of who you think you are. Um, you know, when you lose that person, you do, you attach them to your identity in some way. And when they're there or not there in a different way, um, you have to adjust. And I found that the most difficult part initially um, of rebuilding after losing my brother. So from reflecting on all of that, I decided to sit there and really start writing and reflecting on my life, both, well, particularly before everything happened with Pat during this journey that he and I had um, as his carer and him being unwell and obviously really thinking about who I was, who I'd been and how I'd gone about life Um, and that was really, really, it was a very interesting moment in time because I really had to sit and reflect on the fact that a lot of the approach that I had done, um, the controlling ways in which I went about my life nothing had worked. So I kind of sat there and had this revelation that the harder I tried to control things in my life in certain ways, like outcomes that I couldn't control, that I was still trying to control, um, really just, it set me back. It didn't help. And then what I did, which um, makes me think of Tony Robbins, because he says, the quality of your life, and again, don't quote me exactly for this, but the quality of of your life is based on the quality of your questions. So I actually wrote, did like a bit of a mind map and wrote down, have I honored myself? And I sort of wrote that in the middle, circled it and really started to think about the way I'd gone about my life through up until this point. 
and whether or not I'd actually honoured who I was and the habits that I had and how they helped me, how they didn't, how I treated other people, how I accepted being treated by other people, I really started to look at every asset, um, no, sorry, not asset, facet of my life and really start to dig deep on whether I had honoured myself. And that was a really, really big question at the time because, yeah, as I said before, I'd spent a lot of my life controlling things and obviously, as you can guess, that's not really honouring myself so the first thing that I did uh, with the mind map um, when I wrote, have I honored myself is I started to write, ask myself questions like what is honoring myself and how can I honor myself? So I'm just going to go through some stuff that I wrote in my journal um, on this page, which is really interesting as I look back. Um, and that's really a big benefit I found of journaling, especially during this first year, because I've often been able to look back and see where I've changed and where I've had growth and and that's sort of helped push me at times where I feel like I've sort of stayed stagnant. So these are just some of the things that I've written down. So I had actions were and have always been out of fear, which was a big thing for me. I always acted out of fear. And especially when you're someone's carer or you're watching someone go through cancer, it's it's a journey that is just full of fear. Like I can't even emphasize, you constantly feel like you're running from from death. And that's a really, really stressful thing to go through for such a long time. Um, Another thing I wrote was doing everything I can to avoid situations I cannot control. No lightness or joy, always so heavy. Honoring others before myself. And then I wrote some points like honoring yourself is not easy. Honoring others first is easy because it encourages us to avoid. Always in fight or flight. Never really surrendered. And felt like I always needed to see ahead when I don't. So these were just things that I sort of reflected on about my life. So after I'd written those points down and really thought about it and reflected on my life, um, I then decided to write a list of what I thought honoring myself was. And I think that was a really important thing because it was almost like setting a set of rules for myself or expectations of myself to help guide me in this change that I was feeling. And I think um, when you go through loss, you know, you, you, you will never be the person that you were before. And I think that's, like I said, starting from rock bottom, having to build up again and writing this list, I think helped give me a guideline of how I wanted to go about changing and how I wanted to go about, you know, managing my environment or where I could. Um, so these are the points that I wrote here, which was, Honoring myself is being okay knowing I don't have all the answers and never will. Choosing myself always, even when it hurts others. And obviously, choosing myself means, you know, sometimes choosing yourself, you unintentionally hurt someone. um, And that's kind of how I felt. You know, I spent a lot of time worrying about how other people felt and never myself. And that's kind of where that particular guideline came from. Then I wrote committing to finding myself and respecting myself having the courage to openly know my values and stick to them, putting my feelings first while still considering the feelings of others, not doing something out of guilt, trusting my inner knowingness first before others, having good intentions always, pursuing my soul needs without worrying or focusing on what other people think, honoring my body and nourishing it. And to be honest, this was really, really, really like such a good exercise to begin 
when you feel so lost and it obviously doesn't take the hurt away it doesn't take the pain but at least gives you a bit of a guideline on how you want to move forward and what you expect from your life um I guess seeing my brother go through so much really made me want to shape my life differently and really made me look at how unhappy I was even before my brother's diagnosis. So that's really where this list and this mind map came from at the very beginning of my journey. So upon reflecting on everything at the beach house, I made a really, really big decision, which was I decided to take a year off Um, no work, take a break, um, completely give myself space to go through things. Um, Obviously, that's not something everyone can do. And I was really fortunate and grateful that I could do that. Um, And, you know, for some people, going back to work is really the way to go. My mum went straight back to work. And I think for her, that's worked better. But I knew for myself, which was a big decision, that if I went back to work, knowing me, I would probably avoid it And it would manifest years later in many ways. And I just knew myself and knew that giving myself the year to really grieve and focus on myself was something that I needed to help me rebuild. Taking the year off was a really big move for me as well and a really difficult one because, you know, my grandparents came here from Italy. They came with nothing. They're very work-orientated Um, They were really excited when we got into uni and studied and, you know, um, and that was, you know, for them, that's really important. So I I was taught when I was younger that a lot of our value comes from what we do in terms of our job. So to not work for a whole year was a big struggle because I had to learn not to attach my value to working, to what I did, to how much I earned. and that was that's a struggle and it still is because one of the biggest questions that people ask you when you first meet them is what do you do? And when you kind of say, I don't work, a lot of people sort of look at you and then don't know how to go from there. So that's also been an adjustment as well. Um, and again, it also depends on what you consider as work. I mean, I definitely consider pod, podcasting and blogging as, as my work, but obviously a lot of people see that differently but that's fine. The whole purpose of that was to stop worrying and thinking about what other people thought and really just do what honored myself. And that was a very big step that I made and a very big decision that I made with the support of my mom that I felt was right for me. And that again was another shift that helped me to really shape this year and make sure that I made it the best that I could to process everything that I had been through. Um, And that was definitely an important decision. And really, it's an an important decision for anyone going through grief. Um, You know, if you can, if you don't have to go to work, should you? Um, If you do have to go to work, what do you want to do? That's such a big decision because it obviously, for us, feels like it shapes who we are. And I don't think it has to, to be honest, but that's something that I've had to learn and deal with as I've gone through this year. So once I made the decision not to go back to work, my next uh, my next sort of train of thought was I really started to ask myself what I wanted in life. Um, I knew I had a whole year to process things and to really adjust um, to the new circumstances and that's exactly what I did. So basically, I took a really different approach to goal setting. Uh, before my brother got diagnosed, I was really like determined and really, like I said, 
judge myself based on how much I earn and what I could do and and you know how far how far I'd gotten and I just was so ambitious and so external in my motivation and as you know with grief that can really shift things because I started to focus less on the the external and really on the internal and not just the external but I think to stop focusing on materialistic things I realized the importance of moments I mean I had traveled with my brother for treatment, but we'd spent a lot of time overseas. And often, most, 95% of the time, most of the memories that I reflect back on are not ones with traveling or being in nice places or hotels or anything or if we were ever privileged to, to go anywhere. My best memories are the small ones with him. Um, the ones where we were watching TV, making jokes. My best videos are of us, you know, being silly together at home. And that was definitely something that affected, you know, my train of thought, as I said, uh, my perspective and how I wanted to go forward in life. So when I decided to set some goals for myself, it wasn't ambitious, materialistic goals. It was health, well-being, mindset goals um, that I really wanted to achieve. And that was one of my biggest takeaways because I started to realize that all my goals were materialistic end goals and it just, just, is not fulfilling especially when you lose someone and you realize how precious life is so basically I started to change my mindset and I set goals on you know internal things and external to the extent like fitness and nutrition and I really started to set small goals as well I didn't have to be the pushy ambitious person because I just it just wasn't important to me anymore so now I want to go through the goal list that I made because I just want to show you how my mindset changed and but more so how I set goals um, that I feel as though really helped me to develop a different sense of identity and to really find myself a bit more in saying that you know it's never easy and there is there are times where I obviously really struggle still I mean it's it's only 10 months but I do feel like setting these goals um, helped me to move forward for myself Um, and helped me find myself a little bit more. So what I'm going to go through is the stuff that I wrote down. And when I write write my goals, I tend to write them in my journal and then I just leave them. I don't touch them. I don't obsess over them. And that was something new as well that I was trying because I just wanted to put it out there, you know, as they say, throw it into the universe and then just keep going. So what I wrote was, Um, And again, these are really small, simple goals because that's how I felt and that's how I wanted to change my goal setting. I wrote running 5K in 20 minutes. Um, I wanted to run 20K, which was half, half half a marathon to prep for 2020 because I wanted to run a marathon um, for that supports brain cancer. I wrote down an amazing relationship with a, a guy that is my boyfriend and best friend. We laugh, joke and have fun together and are a little team. Um, I wrote a new amazing direction for searching for better with a podcast. So here I am. Um, I wanted to do meditation every day. I wanted to work out six times a week. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was walking outside um, with my dog every day and getting fresh air. Um, I wanted to train my dog really well. I ha- wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to have long-lasting, fun, supportive friendships. Um, I wanted to do yoga three times a week and finally master a headstand. I wanted to learn more about self-love and I wrote here, I'm full of it. 
uh, as in full of self-love. Um, and my body is nourished with amazing foods. So as you can see with those goals, they're tiny little goals, they're lifestyle goals. They're really things that I could achieve, could have achieved really or some of them before the year ended, but it just helped me look forward. And I think that's the important part of this list because when you go through grief, the last thing you can imagine is moving forward without that person. And this list you know, it's not the be all and end all and it doesn't, again, it doesn't stop the pain, but it definitely is a great tool to at least start to move your mindset into the future, if anything, for yourself. So once I sort of set those goals, I made just small everyday changes as I was going um, just to, yeah, to start changing. So what I did was I booked Italy, which was really difficult actually because I had traveled a lot with my brother. We decided to go to Germany to seek alternative treatment. I was so used to traveling with him, organizing everything with him. Um, I actually found it, I found myself full of anxiety just before I traveled um, because I just felt so sad. And that's one thing about grief in the first year, you don't even know most of the time what the triggers are going to be they're usually the smallest things um and half the time sometimes we don't even realize that that's what's triggering us like I really had to sit down and ask myself why I was so anxious about travel and it was it was really hard like I know people think a Europe trip you look forward to it it's a big thing but for me I almost forced myself to go because and again I am lucky that I got to go and I'm very grateful for that but I had spent so much time and associated travel with such a struggle and treatment with my brother that I guess I just found it really stressful. And also, I have family in Italy that were really lovely that we lived with while my brother was doing treatment in, in Germany. So my brother and I actually lived in Italy for eight months. And I really love my family in Italy. I've been there so many times. I love them. I get along with them so well. And I also made it a point, part of my journey to face my demons and go back there without my brother. And that was really, really difficult, I'll admit. Um, I'm pretty sure I cried nearly every day, but I guess that's just grief and that's just how the journey works. And I was really concerned that if I didn't go now, um, I would never go back, to be honest. So I went. And that was definitely a big journey and it was something I had to do for myself. I'm also very lucky that my best friend's a psychologist and he he managed to come with me. So that was good. We spent a lot of time walking, talking, resetting, sitting in the sun, um, eating good foods. It was really just about relaxing. But it was also stressful in the sense that I did a lot of reflecting and a lot of grieving and missing him and spending that time just being in those feelings. Um, and that was a really important part of my journey. So I feel like if you have a space where you're used to being with that person, it's always good when you're ready to go back there and just grieve. Um, that's definitely a difficult part of the process and coming back home was even harder, but I felt like for me, it was a much needed part of managing and getting through this year. So booking Italy was just one part of the set of goals. Uh, What I started to do, to be honest, not even completely conscious of it all the time, but more just out of pure immediate needs, um, I started walking a lot. I had a dog and I was walking him and, 
he was only a puppy, so he was a little bit stressful. Um, but I would walk him every day. And then I found that when I got outside and started walking, often I would want to walk again. So then I'd walk him for an hour. And then later on in the day, I'd head to um, what's called the Maribyrnong River in my area and just go for another walk. And initially, that's all I did. I walked and I thought about things and I listened to music and I really just processed. And as I was walking, I started to get into running. And that's kind of how I got started on my goal of 5K. Again, it wasn't like I set myself a schedule and said, tomorrow I'm going to run. It was like I was walking and I was like, you know what? I just, I need to run. I need to process. I need to run. I need to find some way to sort of, you know, move this energy that I had in me. Um, And I did that. So I started running as well, which I found really therapeutic. Um, And that was definitely something that I've kept going as well. And I also started yoga. Sorry, continued with yoga. That was something I did before. Actually, no, something I started when Pat got diagnosed. And again, that was some a little goal I'd set. I wanted to do the the shoulder stand or headstand as well. Um, And so that helped me with that. and it goes and and that all tied in with me wanting to work out six days a week. And again, to me, working out, if I've gone for a walk, I consider that for me a workout, which is really good. And slowly over time I've developed these habits of, you know, walking, running. Most recently, um, which was suggested by my naturopath, was to do Kegung. Um, excuse me if I haven't pronounced that properly, but it's similar to Tai Chi, um, because that's considered a moving meditation. And I had really struggled to actually sit there and meditate. And my naturopath suggested it as another way to meditate um, just based on how I was feeling and everything. She said that my nervous system was all over the place and that's what made it hard to sit down. So I actually have found that that's been also really helpful, which again, accidentally tied into my goal of wanting to meditate every day. And although admittedly, I don't do it every day, um, I do it three to four times a week. That's also been another thing that I've added that's been really helpful to my routine. But I think the biggest thing that I had gotten from all these goals and one of the biggest things that I had learned and struggled with initially, to be honest, was just having time to myself and being comfortable in my own company. Uh, When my brother was unwell, I was never by myself. I was always with him and that was fine. I loved it. Um, I loved being with him. We had such a great time. But the only thing was, sorry, I mean, great time together is in lots of laughs. Um, Obviously, as it got, as his disease progressed, it got harder. But nonetheless, I was really not used to being by myself. So I started doing things for myself and not being afraid to just be in my own company. And one day I realized that I actually never went anywhere unless someone came with me. So I would never go to the beach. I would never go out to eat. I always had to have someone with me because then I just didn't really see the point because I just didn't honor myself. So what I decided to do was do more stuff for myself. So I started going to the beach in the early mornings for two hours, just sitting, reading, really just like soaking in the sun and enjoying myself. And then sometimes I just go by myself to eat and whatever. I really just started to value my own company and realize that if I couldn't, I couldn't expect other people to as well. So again, this was a big part of my journey and it's actually been a really big struggle for me because as a carer, like I said, I was always with my brother. I never had my own company. I never had to be in my own company and I got so used to it that I really struggled to be by myself afterwards. And to be honest, there are times when I still do. So 
that's just another thing that really helped me when I started to really reflect on things and really make sure that I gave myself time and did things for myself because I had the time now. Whether I wanted it or not, it was there, so I took it. So that's another thing with grief when you've lost someone, especially a partner, um, if you're a carer. It's definitely important to, you know, we don't, obviously we'd want the situation to be different, but it's not. And we have extra time on our hands. So the only way that I could see myself surviving was to actually use that time and do things for myself. And that's exactly what I did. So that's definitely something that's helped me in these past 10 months to progress and move forward in the best way that I can. Overall, when I look back at all the things that I found helped me through these past 10 months, this or all these things that I've mentioned here have definitely been the most helpful. So I really hope that they help you in some way in your journey. And I think the most important thing that I'd want to leave with today is that all these things have started to really take shape. It's over time that I've really started to see the benefits of doing all this work so quickly and so early on in my grief journey. And that's the most important thing I want to say. Sometimes you don't feel the benefits straight away. Sometimes you'll see the changes as you look back, especially as I start to reflect back and see how different I am and how far I've come in the past year. But as I said at the beginning of the podcast, take what resonates, leave what doesn't, um, and please pass this on to anyone you think might want to hear this. I really think um, that grief isn't a topic that's touched on a lot, and I'm really excited to be able to use my experience and everything that my brother taught me to at least help other people in their journey. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thank you for being here for the very first one and I'll catch you in the next one.